You know, there has to be a couple of porn stars around here that would stand around naked for 300 bucks for five or six hours. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's Thursday, August 20th, 2009. Time for your Gitmo Nation audio publication, episode 123. This is no agenda. Coming to you from the bamboo-strutted house crackpot command center from a deserted island in Gitmo Nation southeast this time. I'm in Spain. I'm Adam Curry. And I'm in what's formerly known as California, maybe still referred to as the bankrupt state. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. Now, it's funny you mention that. Uh, I think Ron was telling me that uh, that he got his uh, tax return from California and it was an IOU. Yeah, you, you mentioned this two or three shows ago. Oh, I, I did mention that. But, yeah. but now all these... Uh, Play the horn. Honk, honk, honk. Uh, See, that's what you would do if I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I repeated myself. Well, the thing I... I don't think I repeated is that there are these... Um, you know, the sales tax. Small businesses have to pay their sales tax. And so they've, they're, taking the, they're taking their IOUs. <laughs> the state isn't oh, accepting... The state isn't accepting their IOUs. <laughs> Oh, really? They can dish it out, but they can't take it. Exactly. How lame is that? That is ridiculous. If they're giving you an IOU, you should be able to give it back. Yeah. No, you can't, apparently. It's beautiful here, John. I'll bet it is. <laughs> so, How is it there in smoky, smoky you, bankrupt California? Why don't you just admit it? You're really going to Ibiza. No, it's uh, south. So you can of, party in the fall no, and all the nightclubs no, there. No, I don't do that. We're not in Ibiza. We're south of Ibiza. You're in Ibiza. No, we're not in Ibiza. I, Ibiza. You say that. I'm just telling you. I know you're in Ibiza. That's where you. That's why would you go to any place that close to Ibiza if you weren't going to Ibiza? Because Which, by the way, is just an out and out drug induced party town with nothing but nightclubs. They don't do anything else that I know of, but just party. That's why I'm not going there. That's why I'm not there right now. Uh-huh. We are in the Bel Airs, the Bel Air Islands, yeah. and we're south of it. It's Ibiza, as the as the Brits call it, Ibiza. We're going to Ibiza. So we're not in Ibiza. It's Formentera. Look yeah. it up on Google. Formentera, former hippie island. Nudist so let's colony get- to the stars. Yeah, great. So let's get it. When you come back, it's going to be, you're going to be annoying. So let's... Uh- <laughs> Only when I come back? <laughs> Not before. I have had such a nice day. I, you know, it's so relaxing, and I feel like a new man. Because it will not put seniors in a position of being put to death by their government. Well, if you're going to go in that direction, let's start off the show by bringing up some Sibelius quotes that came from last Sunday morning. Ah, my friend uh, Sibelius. I have not seen anything being uh, south of Ibiza. She so. it. She is creepy. Well, she's a so builder I want burger, you to right? play. I didn't want to play the whole thing, but she she's obviously one of those people who knows to go into a talk show and to just repeat herself. And like, so do you think it's going to be hard on old people? Well, I think it could be hard on old people. It's going to be hard on a lot of people because it's it's just a difficult situation because it's going to be so difficult and hard on especially old people and people that aren't that old, but people that are really old and maybe some people you know that kind of thing. Yak, but, yak, now, yak. Sibelius, of course, is the director of uh, health and human health services. Health and human services. Okay. Okay. She reminds me to an annoying degree of of uh, Carly Fiorina, who has the same patronizing style of talking down to you. Isn't she from California? Isn't she from the West? Sibelius? Sibelius? 
I don't know. You'd have to look it up. Okay. Okay. So uh, this but is. Yeah, about- I, I'm not going to play the whole thing. But I just want to play a couple things. I want you to play. Just play Sibelius open to five. Secretary Sibelius, thanks for joining us. Good morning, Jake. Critics say they're uneasy about end-of-life care measures being discussed within the context of cost-cutting. Can you understand that discomfort? Well, I think end-of-life discussions are uh, very, very personal and uh, very difficult. Uh, Very difficult for family members, very difficult (laughs) often uh, for people to confront. And my own mother spent... Right. There she goes, off the deep end. She spends five or six minutes on it's you know it's very difficult for young people it's very difficult for old people it's very difficult for families it's very difficult for she large doesn't actually families answer it's very the question. For... she doesn't answer the question no she never answers the question it, but but it, it's actually worse with some of these other ones but here's one this kind of caught my attention because uh, uh well uh, this is what i call uh I think it's the word, I think it's payment. Rush, rush oh, payment, yeah. Now, it, well, before I, I set this up, there's a, a clip called payment. And uh, I, there's a bunch of people talking about the health care stuff and how Obama actually paved the way to push health care by doing deals. First, they analyzed what happened with Hillary and the people that pushed back, the AMA, the health, the, uh, health insurance companies, the doctors themselves, everybody, all these people that wouldn't allow the thing to happen. So they fought against it. So the idea was that Obama was going to pave the way, in other words, you know, set the stage, do the due diligence to get these guys on board before he presented anything. And, and and apparently now you know the the uh, healthcare uh, insurance companies uh, the doctors the everybody's on board except the public, which is kind of the, the missing link Whoops. here. <laughs> Whoops. Now I'm so what I'm looking for now, and I advise anybody else to look for, is what was the quid pro quo? Because obviously these people aren't going to just yeah whatever we didn't like it before, but since you were going to do it, we're going to just be on board with you. Now, what, do you, what, do you, what, do you what do you mean we didn't like it before? We didn't like what? Well, before? see, and during the Hillary thing, all these people were against essentially the same health care program that she tried to introduce. Was it exactly they, the same idea? Because that failed dramatically. Enough. Okay, yeah. The point is, is that they did some deal with all these people. And I've been trying to figure out what some of these deals were, and she gives it away in this long-winded, I believe me, you don't want to play, the show would be over. <laughs> and she answered that question, that was the opening question, but she slips it in what it was, and I think this was the quid pro quo for doctors, and play payment, and then I'll explain it. Okay, so, so let me just understand what we're talking about. So how do we get everyone to be on board, not the public, but all the doctors, the uh, everyone who's going to be a, a part of this? companies. The- everyone, everyone on board. Now, of course, we know that Obama did a deal with the, uh, with the, with the health care providers for $80, $80 billion. Right. But here is the setup, and Sibelius lets it slip. Doctors would have a, a payment provided to sit down with family members if they choose and, and have a discussion. We were desperate to do that. There were way too many specialists in and out of the room and way too little time to actually sit with someone and try to understand. What oh, okay. So it's like a consultancy fee. So in the olden days, when you were dying or your mom was dying or something was happening, the doctor would talk to you about it and what you could do, this, that, and the other thing. But now they get paid. I mean, normally they would just do this because this is kind of their yeah, job. It's a public service. We'll, just, we'll talk about all the options and we'll sit down and before anything When you happens. talk to your doctor, usually he's not charging you by the hour. You know, and so now they've set this thing up. This is what this whole end of life thing was all about. It's got nothing to do with end of life. It's a payoff. It's another so insurance code says, entry. 
Yeah, so just a, basically a, a bribe. It's like now when the doctor says, well, I think your mom should probably be taken to an old folks home. She, now they can bill the government for just telling you that because that's the whole thing was the scam that suckered all these or not suckered, but got the AMA and the doctors on board. It's like, look, you guys are spending a lot of time with this. We can now pay you. <laughs> you it's really, just completely uh, just unbelievable. Uh, no, it's totally believable because it will not put seniors in a position of being put to death by their government unless you get paid for it it is now uh, insurance company code five nine seven three two yeah so now they get paid for this and this anyway i assume that everyone there's a lot of these little things you have to read between the lines and it's pretty hard to do because you have to listen to people like sibelius who just ramble forever but you're repeating herself and she talks real slow like this and very deliberately she reminds me of that woman that was on the sec who was trying to answer questions as to how the madoff thing happened and she was the uh, same yeah. condescending creepy bureaucratic woman that Sheila? talks real is Sheila, slow Sheila and, bear is that her name now, one of the yeah, two. There's yeah. a couple of them. But anyway, now, here's a, here's a good example. This is another clip. And this is a clip of Sibelius again on this show. And, we're, we're the, and apparently, I'm guessing that on a lot of these morning shows, this is a new guy taking over for, just for substituting for uh, Stephanopoulos named Jake something. Jake, forgot his last name. Jake the Snake. Uh, Jake, uh, it seems to me that, you know, if he had listened to the answer to his question, his own question, he would have followed up and said, well, you didn't answer my question because she doesn't answer it. But I think these people come on to these morning shows. I just get the sense of this because you see it too often. And they and there's a rule. You cannot hound somebody for the answer to a question they didn't answer. And in fact, it happened later in the same show where uh, where there were a couple of politicians that weren't answering the questions, and the two politicians went after each other, but the host <laughs> wouldn't say anything. But the, the, that's the whole the, all these Sunday morning shows. No one ever answers the question, isn't it? They never answer it at all, ever. Well, in some funny way, they answer it by not answering it. But so play, keep old plan. Oops, I'm sorry, I fucked that up. Hold on. Here we go. But how can the administration make the promise that if you like your insurance plan, you can keep it when CBO and other analysts estimate that some people will be switched from private to public? Well, I think, Jake, if you if you think about a marketplace option and new plans being created in uh, Toledo, Ohio, or in California or in Florida, the network of doctors is likely to be uh, pretty identical. Uh, a lot of plans exist in the same marketplace, and uh, doctors are part of a variety of networks. So uh, the idea that you would keep your own doctor is highly likely. The other thing about the, the new marketplace is I think the president is eager to stay stabilize the employer marketplace. Small business owners right now are dropping coverage because they can't any longer afford it. They can't stay in the market. With the new tax incentives that are part of health reform, small business owners would be encouraged to actually stabilize uh, their insurance. So in other words, yeah, you won't be able to keep your doctor, but you probably will get your doctor because these these doctors are all part of the network. They're all part yeah, of the, the system. Yeah, but the question was, can you keep your old plan? It had nothing to do with keeping your old doctor. That was assumed. She never answers the question. She doesn't even come close. She goes right off the track immediately. And then I like the way she says, oh, you know, it could be like in, you know, the weather changing things in Toledo, Ohio, or, or California. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the old politician trick. I mean, just stalling. Yeah. I, I know. I, I, recently, a man came up to me, and his name was Pete, and he was from Toledo, Ohio. And he said, can I keep my old plan? He said, well, your doctor will be a part of the network. Ah, it's unbelievable. 
You know, and you wonder why people are up in arms is because these guys, this group of people are the biggest double talkers. I've I've seen. I mean, they're worse than the Bush people. The Bush people say, "Well, screw ya." I mean, they're at least like pretty blunt. Well, the this thing, is just double talk. Well, the thing that people have to understand, and uh, and I think listeners of this show are are kind of catching on, but the the discussion is just being taken away from what's really going on. Is that healthcare is. 17 18 almost a fifth of our of our economy it's a huge amount of money and all of the the insurance companies which of course is wall street pharmaceutical companies they've all donated they they have bought and paid for every single politician including our president and now they're come they're coming for their uh, for their druthers they're coming for the payoff and this is what it's been about this is what uh, uh, as you said Hillary Clinton tried to do when she was the first lady I might add she wasn't uh, a politician yeah, she wasn't even a public she official she was a lawyer she was just just a, a lawyer and a and a wife who got cheated on and uh and you know, but clearly a part of the plan. This is all about money, and we don't see it anymore. We just gloss over it. And I do love the fact that people are standing up. And I think it's right when people are saying, "Give me my country back," because they're starting to catch on. You know, hey, wait a minute. This, this is not about health care. This is about the system being so broken, so morally bankrupt that we're just uh, we're not even talking about the real, the real issue anymore. I think these people should stay off the air. If they're going to be this way with these kinds of answers, in other words, non-answers or this long patronizing in Ohio and Florida and California and you know on and on and on droning and I mean you have no idea how how boring this woman is with this, but it's so patronizing and smug. And then she doesn't answer the questions. It just really bugs me. Just you know, stay off the air. Don't do these shows. You, you know, you don't have to go up there and yeah. Now back to real news. I'm sorry, John. I, I had to get to something really important. Tough times in the porn industry, reports the Los Angeles Times. The porn industry is broke, John. It's gotten so bad that Savannah, you know Savannah, right? Savannah Stern, is doing seven hours of standing around naked for a hustler party in Santa Monica for 300 bucks. There is no more porn being produced, John. This is a serious problem. The 300 porn industry, bucks? Is that yeah. all like- yeah. Wow. yeah, we need to do some parties up here. <laughs> we could get Savannah for three. Hey, that's what finally we have a use for this money. Let's get Savannah up to San Francisco. Excellent idea. I love it. You know, there has to be a couple of porn stars around here that would stand around naked for three hundred bucks for five or six hours. I think at we least. Should, yeah, well, we could get one at your place, one at my place, just for an hour and a half during the show, just stand around naked. <laughs> I'm standing there. <laughs> And uh, can you give me some tea? Sure. <laughs> hey, but this is this is really uh, this is really a problem. Uh, this is least, a bogus story. She's yeah. not standing around for six hours for three hundred bucks. At least five of the top one hundred websites in the U.S. are portals for free pornography, which of course is a good thing for the consumer. Referred to in the industry as tube sites. According to Internet Traffic Ranking Service Alexa.com, which of course... Well, which it, is not very good. No, in this case, it's actually appropriate because Alexa is used by system admins. And of course, these are the, the guys, love them dearly, but you know, what are system admins doing all day? They're downloading porn. Some of their content is amateur work uploaded by users, which of course is the wave Some of the of future. It? That's the wave of the future. 
Who are all these people? Have you ever thought about that? You, you've stumbled onto one of these. There's like a million people, you know, naked doing all kinds of weird things. And you have to say, do I actually know any of these people? Are they working in the, in the cubicle next to me? Are, are they in this city? I mean, there's so, what is hundreds of thousands of people that are exposing themselves? I think it's a very good development. <laughs> I'm all for it. There's nothing wrong with that. I do have something that goes right along with that, uh, John. Sir David uh, Attenborough, the uh, famous British broadcaster, explorer, etc., has discovered a new species of carnivorous plant. It is a giant meat-eating plant so big it can actually eat small rodents. And they found this uh, on their uh, expedition in the Philippines... So now they're, uh, they've given it a name, the Nepenthes Attenborough, of course, uh, named after uh, Sir David Attenborough. This thing is outrageous, a plant that eats rodents. It's almost like, uh, what was the name of that, uh, that movie, like the Rocky Horror Picture Show movie? Uh, Little the Rocky Shop, Horror Little, Picture no, no, Show? No, no, Little Shop of Horrors. Here, take yeah. a look at it. This is the BBC... Uh, it's an awesome plant. And it's kind of freaky, though, when you think that, you know, is this a new plant? Is it, is, I mean, has it been around for a while? Is it just... Is kind this of creepy looking. Is this evolution? Well, it's like the, there's a similar looking plant that eats flies. Yeah, it's like right. a, It looks like a funnel and flies are attracted to some goo inside and then they right. go down and they find themselves stuck in there. It's a pitcher plant. It's just a large pitcher plant. Right, except uh, I wonder if you stick your hand in there, what will happen? Well, I, I mean, is it? how does it devour you? get a bunch you? of crap all over your hands. You wouldn't <laughs> like it. It probably stinks. No, but I mean, if it can dissolve a, a rodent like a rat, I mean, how, how does yeah, it? Yeah, it takes a while, though. They get to, they, These things get stuck in there for a long time. These are very slow processes. Plants aren't fast moving. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's not like chewing them up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of the dream you have, right? It's like... That's munch, munch, munch. I think more interesting in the same article is this unidentified blue, yeah, the blue fungi. fungus. Yeah, the fungi. That is a yeah. gorgeous looking mushroom. It is nice, isn't it? It's blue. It's a solid blue mushroom. This is you should put this in the show notes just so you can see the mushroom. I shall. I found a, a clip, and maybe this is what you had seen on uh, on current TV, but just because we were harping on uh, Laura Ling and Yuna Lee. These, of course, the two reporters who uh, were dumbfounded and shocked that they were uh, taken into custody, sneaking across the border of North Korea. And, of course, uh, we now know that this is a, a total current TV setup to get some more ratings because their IPO failed. And Al Gore called his buddy Bill and said, hey, man, hook us up. Can you do me a solid? Uh, did you see this, uh, this clip of them uh, thanking everyone, John? Uh, I don't know. I probably did, but you just, I, I just wanted you to listen to it. It's, it's 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 just funny. This isn't the one where she's whining and. Well, this is the, the two of them sitting together on. Uh, oh no, on this I've not seen. Oh, okay, it's uh, so they got a little setup here about uh, them being detained for 140 days in North Korea. Now Laura and Yuna return home. To all of the people who supported you and me throughout the nearly five months that we were in we were in captivity, we wanted to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. 
All the letters and postcards you sent us gave us strength to endure the difficult time. We uh, you really, you really got to watch it though, John, because uh, what's her name, uh, Laura? I guess she's on the left. She's so sincere. I mean, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it kind of sucked being in a hotel for four and a half months, but still, you crossed the border of North Korea to do a story. Yeah, like Eunice said, we would receive letters and. And they were getting mail. These letters, how much people were supporting us. We learned about this grassroots movement on <laughs> Facebook, about people writing in to their congressmen to the. A grassroots movement on Facebook. Don't you love it? No. Please. You know, these, this, these people make me sick. <laughs> Wait, there's more. President, we learned about um, the blog site Liberate Laura. and uh, the Which I think is, is, a, is also a porn movie, Liberate Laura. I'm not too sure. I, I think I've seen that. Vigils around the country. Um, Candlelight we vigils. We knew that these vigils were taking place around the time of our trial. And we thought about those lights. And, and they gave us hope. And um, we are so, so very grateful so, for all so. of your love and support. <laughs> We're so happy to be so back happy. with our families. So. It was the toughest time in our lives. Huh? <laughs> and we would love to share our experience with you in time. But right now, we want to go back to our normal life. And, um, oh, so so what they're saying is the special is coming. So they're producing the big special, John. But oh, right yeah. Now, and there'll be it, a book deal, too. Oh, book deal. It'll be a, a, there'll book be a deal movie. And a Pulitzer. She's going to get a Pulitzer. Of course. Of course. But but in the meantime, we, we just had to say thank you and express our deepest gratitude. We are so, so humbled. Thank you. So, 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 so. <laughs> so, 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 so humbled. They, 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 they like to use the word so. So. That's that's to say it's not just a little. It's so, it's it, it's a lot it's more. It's so nice. It's so good. It's so it's just like you know blather. <laughs> Georgia lawmakers, a Georgia lawmaker calls for the caning and execution of marijuana offenders. <laughs> Gee, I quit just in time. Representative Benton from Georgia, Tommy Benton. Who looks like a character when you see him? He's on his own on his own website. He's yakking away. I am opposed to the legalization of marijuana. He says I think we should go to caning for people caught using it, and maybe execute dealers. Oh, fantastic! He says it works in Singapore. I like the people that always rationalize things work in Singapore. Singapore is a fascist state. Is that what you want? A good caning is is nice from time. There's to no time. guns in Singapore either, Benton. You want that too? You want to you know get rid of the, all the guns in the world? Is he a Democrat or Republican? Well, let's see. He's a. Uh, I think he's a. Well, I mean, I, if off the top of my head, I'm guessing he's a Republican yeah. who probably doesn't want uh, guns either. So they should all you gun guys. You should write him a nasty note because obviously, if you think Singapore is the solution. But uh, here's a, a story that we missed, John. And uh, yeah, he's a Republican. Yeah, figures. This is from uh, our buddy Andrew Orlowski from the Register. Um, this is quite amazing to me. The uh, CRU, the Climactic Research Unit, which of course uh, has provided the global climate data set, which is the most cited surface temperature record kept 
by the uh, IPCC from the UN. So basically, this is the data that uh, the phony baloney scientists, I, I, I just, I can't wait for the email, the phony baloney scientists of the United Nations IPCC, of which not all were climatologists, and of course there's now, you know, eight, 9,000 other real climatologists who are against this research. So this was the research that was used that led to eventually uh, an inconvenient truth, and of course all the way down to the uh, cap-and-trade uh, legislation and has sparked all this global warming unrest. Uh, they say they no longer have the raw data. <laughs> what? Yeah, they don't have the raw data anymore. Uh, there were a number of uh, freedom of information requests that were submitted uh, for the raw data of uh, you know. So they they're the ones that keep all the historical data of uh, of surface temperatures. And here was what they say: We are not in a position to supply data for a particular country not covered by the example agreements referred to e earlier, as we have never had sufficient resources to keep track of the exact source of each individual monthly value. Apparently, they don't have. Uh, USB drives. Since the 1980s, we have merged the data that we have received into existing series or begun new ones, so it's impossible to say if all stations with a particular country or if all individual records would be freely available. Data storage availability in the 1980s meant we were not able to keep the multiple sources for sites, only the station series after adjustment for hom uh, homogeneity issues. We therefore do not homogeneity. hold homogeneity. We, I think I've done that with someone once. We therefore do not hold the original raw data, but only the value added, i.e., homogenized data. <laughs> Manipulated. Why don't they use that word? Yeah. Oh, that, that just blows me away. That's a good one from Orlowski. That's a fantastic. It's awesome. Yeah. So the it's actual weird that you have to read stuff like that in the register. Well, I read the register a lot because it rocks. Um, because of exactly no, it's a great publication, yeah. but it seems to me, you know, can we donate to the register? How do they make money? They make plenty of it. They make more money than we do. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, shit! They should be uh, donating to us. <laughs> so, I, yeah. So uh, the headline is "Global Warming Ate My Data." We've lost the numbers, says CRU, as they respond to freedom of information requests. The world's source for global temperature records admits it's lost or destroyed all the original data that would allow third parties lost to or destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what he said. Jobs yeah. lost or destroyed. <laughs> data lost or destroyed. So this is the actual data that spawned this whole global global warming debate. It is no longer available because in the 19, 1980s, we didn't have enough money to buy hard drives. That's basically <laughs> what he's saying. That's he could have written it. it on a piece of paper. Yeah. Print it out. Unbelievable. Yeah, that'll never see the light of day. No one will talk about that. So I was reading this. Uh, there's a we have a bunch of these alternative newspapers in the Bay Area. Lots of them actually, like the Guardian, the Guardian, the East Bay Express, the uh, I like San the Guardian Express. There's the whole slew of them. They got all kinds of sex ads in there. Yeah, they seem to survive with sex ads. Yeah, cool. So I'm reading this story. I just kind of this come this this chain of small restaurants called Cafe Gratitude, and some woman, which maybe the place you and uh, Mickey ate at. <laughs> Uh, oh, alive! Alive on? Uh... No, alive's different. Okay. Right. Anyway, they went on and on. She apparently somebody's quit or something because they make everybody take a uh, landmark forum seminars, which turn out to be landmark education grew out of Earhart's seminar training, the EST group, EST, 
which is very notorious in the seventies and eighties. And it's you know it's essentially uh, teaching you to be uh, a robot for the company. <laughs> and so I'm looking at so I got the biggest kick out of this, and it's like be- becoming very controversial. So I'm looking at the Yelp reviews of Cafe Gratitude, and this one review comes up at the top, and here this just cracked me up. This from Sherry G. out of Los Angeles. Everyone here is so happy. Seriously. Like, not a fake happy, but a genuine happy. Now, what kind of a restaurant review is this? <laughs> My so friend happy. ordered something for something called an I Am Magnificent chocolate mousse and a tea or Kai tea, of chai. which I cannot chai. remember the chai tea, but I cannot remember the cute name for. Everything about this place is literally instant peace. Down to the servers who want who went around asking everyone the question of the day. Friday's question, what are you thankful for? <sighs> I mean, can you imagine eating at a place like this with a bunch of you know, people with a Where is this? eating green is it, on their face and asking you stupid-ass questions? Like, if you were I got to go there. John, let's go. We got to go there. This is awesome. Yeah, unfortunately, we do now. Uh, <laughs> we got to go and record it. First time in our restaurant review history, we have to go record it. It's going to be great. Yeah, I'll bring the I'll bring the G two or the H two the H two recorder. It'll be, it'll be fabulous. We just an interview, or you know, the girl when she comes up and asks, comes over and she says, "If you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be?" I'll just ask her, "What kind of tree would you be?" What are you thankful for? That's like Thanksgiving. You ever do that where you go around the table and everyone has to say what they're thankful no. for? No, of course. God no. <laughs> That's my family. That's what my family does. Now let's all hold hands. And share, and share a secret. Yeah, every single Thanksgiving. That's share what my fa- a secret. <laughs> that's what they do. That's what they do. We, it's like we all say what we're thankful for. Come on, that's nice. That's the American way, John. It sounds like the Dutch way. No, I, dude, I have no Dutch family. I'm sure that there are some families that sit around doing that, that bit. Even though Thanksgiving is like a fake holiday, was actually uh, created long after its invention, which is actually, it came and went in the 1800s, finally made into like a permanent uh, holiday by Abraham Lincoln, and it had to do with being thankful for this for the end of the Civil War and the fact and the soldiers that had, you know fought and it, that's what it was about. It wasn't about pilgrims and really? Indians and turkeys and corn. Really? Yeah, really. And so then you find it somewhere morphed into this bogus holiday about pilgrims and Indians and corn. And that you can find references to these little potlatches that they apparently had back when that people that try to sell the on the holiday. Oh, no, it's about that. It's not about technically Thanksgiving, which was put into play by Abraham Lincoln, and it had to do with thanking us for the end of the war and then the soldiers who sacrificed themselves. It had nothing to do with pilgrims and Indians, and, and they, meanwhile, the, the kids in school are propagandized about this fake holiday. It's unbelievable to me. Well, hold on a it's second. It's a pet peeve. Hold on. <laughs> Wait a minute. You caught me off guard there. Here we go. pet peeve of the day. According to Wikipedia, which of course is the uh, the Bible, Thanksgiving Day is a harvest festival. Traditionally, it is time to give thanks for the harvest and express gratitude in general. It is a holiday celebrated primarily in Canada and the United States. While perhaps religious in origin, Thanksgiving is now primarily identified as a secular holiday. 
How can Lies. Wikipedia disagrees with you, John? Lies. Is, they don't do a little history. Have a historian go in there and fix that piece of crap. Well, maybe you should go in and fix that piece uh, of crap. I don't have you. I just did. Though the earliest attested Thanksgiving celebration was on September 8, 1565, in what is now St. Augustine, Florida, the traditional first Thanksgiving is venerated as having occurred at the site of Plymouth Plantation in 1621. Yeah, right. So you're saying that this was Abraham Lincoln, huh? Yep. That's fascinating. There's a very good history. Actually, I think if you go to Dvorak.org slash blog, uh, I think we have the outline of the history of Thanksgiving. I'll go dig it up and repost it. I usually post it every year in, in November. My kids are aware of it, and they argue with their teachers in school, of course, now they're which gets them into nothing but trouble. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah I and hear you. Heaven forbid that any real facts emerge from the, from the educational environment. October yeah, 3rd, 18... It's well documented. Yes, yes, October 3rd, 1863. President Abraham Lincoln says a proclamation. This is the... Uh, the uh, Here it is. The proclamation which set the precedent for America's National Day of Thanksgiving. During his administration, President Lincoln issued many orders like this. Uh, and here's the whole proclamation for this day of Thanksgiving. So it's actually October 3rd. What are we doing third, 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 uh, Thursday, November? What the hell is when it? When you follow the history of it, 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 it kind of bounces around a lot, and then somebody set it in stone, and well, I forgot how, who that how can was. I believe anything I'm taught in school now? This is a, this is a jip. Well, now I'm not going to celebrate anymore because I'm not thankful. Yeah, well, there you have it. <laughs> now that corn, that's why I'm sorry. I get set up this cornball idea that I'm going to sit around the t- table <laughs> with a bunch of relatives I probably don't like and tell them what I'm thankful for. They can go look it up. <laughs> Wait, I have to play it again. <laughs> That's so good, John. I'm going to do that this Thanksgiving when we're all around the table and we're and we're going to say what we're thanks for. I'm going to say I'm very thankful for President Abraham Lincoln, who on October 3rd, 1863, proclaimed the following. And I'm just going to go through this whole thing and I say. And by the way, you <laughs> were it. gypped. You were just gypped. <laughs> this has nothing to do with pilgrims and Indians and corn and turkeys. How did turkeys get in there, by the way? How'd you be- were scammed. Tur- <laughs> what do you, how do you think they got in there? Some poultry guy dreamed that one up. <laughs> you know, he says, what are we going to do with these damn birds? These things are like huge. They're impossible. Nobody wants to eat them every day. They, they, well, I got an idea. Hey, let's, let's add them on to that Thanksgiving day. I like well, we're it. We're talking about turkeys. I might as well mention this then, which is that people out there who, you know, you, the problem with turkey is like it's been bred to be this huge breasted things. They can't even stand up without breaking their legs. And then they, you know, get butchered and sent out and for the one well, day out of the year. Wait a minute. After the president pardons one of them. That's my yeah, favorite. That's my favorite. One. You get pardoned, dude. And so, anyway, these stupid birds, they go out, and by the way, they're wild around here. I saw one flying over the freeway, and apparently in San Ramon, they're all over the rooftops. These things are nuisances, these wild turkeys in particular. But And they're frightening when you see them flying, because they only get about six feet off the ground. And I saw one flying over the freeway, and if I would have hit it, I would have the car would have blown up. I mean, this thing is just this big, giant thing. Anyway, so the turkey... 
over time, you know, they've been breeding them and breeding them and breeding them, so they, you know, maximum white meat and all the rest of it. They take, they taste like crap. They're horribly, <laughs> horrible turkey flavor. That's just annoying. You can only eat it once a year because it's the aftertaste lasts for months. So we always get uh, heirloom which I'm sure they're trying to kill off, heirloom turkeys from various growers. And you can get some of these classic turkeys that were actually the, the turkeys they were eating in the in, 1800s. In 18, yeah, in 1863, sure. And I'll tell you, they taste like pheasant. They're delicious. Mm. Well, the first time I had one, I went, holy crap, this tastes, more, this tastes a lot more like pheasant than it tastes like turkey. It had very little of that horrible turkey taste. It was just a, 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 fab, a fantastic product. It was just a great bird. I mean, they don't, obviously, there was a more natural bird without these giant breasts. And it was, you know, it had more meat than a goose, but it, was, uh, it wasn't uh, one of these commercial horrible tasting things. Oh, you said bird with giant breasts. Oh. Anyway, that's my turkey story. You got any more uh, holidays you can uh, debunk? <laughs> Besides Mother's Day and Father's Day and the Hallmark Reading Company? <laughs> no, those don't count. Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. I think that's Hallmark, too. Yeah, it probably is. That There's wasn't a company so- that used to really know how to market itself. I mean, Hallmark... We're ge- at some point, there was a genius at Hallmark that could dream up all this stuff and make you know sell cards. I mean, let's face it. What is a Hallmark card? It's like a card that somebody prints that is like got some stupid thing on it because you you can't think of anything creative yourself. So you buy a card and you stick it in an envelope and it costs you like you know the dollar. Yeah. And it's like you can't you just write a note or you know <laughs> make a little drawing or something and personalize it a little bit. I you know I feel so bad for Mimi. <laughs> she gets like a little stick figure card. No wonder you don't get laid. You're, there's no romantic in you, John. This is this is. You, she you know, actually send a, a card. Send a card. She likes to make her own cards, and my daughter makes beautiful cards. And we all make our own cards. We don't do any of this crap. Ah, uh, I can. Although see you the, run into a lot of people, where's the card? Where's the card? I, you have to have a card. My mother was like a big card. I, I can just see the Dvorak family uh, around February 12th, sitting around the table, all making cards for each other. It's just a hard. <laughs> Heartwarming visual I get from it, John. It's it's really nice. It's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. <laughs> so, are you familiar with Robert Ben Moshe? Mm, no. He works for you. He does. Yeah, he does. He is the uh, new CEO of AIG. So, oh yeah, he works for me. That yeah. Guy. Well, he doesn't actually because what did he do? Forty-eight hours after uh, being installed as the new CEO. Quit. No, almost. He went on vacation to his 8,000-square-foot villa on the Adriatic Sea for two weeks. <laughs> he went on vacation. <laughs> I've worked with people like that. Who, who Thanks for hired. the job. I'm going on vacation. You get, yes, it's, it's, and this place is amazing. He's got a, this outrageous pad. Who is this Robert Ben Moshi, anyway? What's his, I don't what's know. His We're going to have to look into him. Sounds like a guy looking into. I mean, anyone has the the balls to like take a job and then rush off to vacation immediately. Has got it. Is a, I admire people like that. Let's see uh, Forbes profile on Robert Ben Mushy, sixty three years old, August third. He was uh, uh, named the uh, chief executive officer. Let's see what he's done. Former chairman, president, chief executive officer of MetLife. Okay, that makes sense. An insurance company. Uh, before that, he was President Payne Weber. I'm waiting for the uh, Credit Suisse. 
<laughs> oh, he wasn't. A, he wasn't a member of Goldman. Oh, how disappointing. Speaking yeah. of which, you know, I don't think either of us are a, a, a big fan of uh, Fox News or Glenn. Well, actually, Fox News. There is some stuff I like, but or Glenn Beck. Um, but I do watch Glenn Beck because at the time it comes on is convenient. That's about the time I uh, I come home from the office. And I've been I saved this clip for uh, for two weeks. Obviously, I couldn't do a lot of show prep uh, out here uh, south of Ibiza. But he had this guy on, who I think actually is a Democrat. Is this and, that weird guy that looks like he's got a wig on and kind of cross-eyed? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the guy. That guy. With yeah, the, he has him the, on. Yeah, I know. That I, I, I think I know what clip you're going to play because I well, – in fact, I have the clip. I just never, haven't uh, well, I, I thought it. it was a fascinating clip because it has it to do with the – It was the first time I actually said, oh, my God, this is very, very interesting. And we should figure out who this guy is. This yeah, this guy. We want to get him on our show. But the thing is he looks like he's incognito. Here's what I, – I don't even believe what we're seeing is him. It looks like he's incognito. He's got this cheap wig on that looks like you bought it at like the party store. That looks like crap. And then he's got like a. It looks like he's got some ma- some sort of maybe face work done that just kind of makes him not look like. He's I think they injected something in his eyeball because the one eye is not even working. And uh, so this, I don't know. He he looks kind of creepy. But anyway, so it's, you know, Glenn Beck has this blackboard, which I kind of like as a a prop in the studio. And and he he draws connections on it. Yeah, he dramatizes everything. The dots, you know, let's simplify it for the idiots that watch Fox News, which, let's face it, that's me. And uh, so he comes up with this interesting story, connects some dots about Rahm Emanuel who of course is uh is the White House chief of staff, you know, he's the he's the he's the don in the middle of it all. And this guy named what is it, Whitaker, Whitaker? Yeah, uh, Whitaker. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, Whitaker, let, Whitaker, let me, uh, whatever. Let me just play the clip. <clears throat> oh shit, of course I've got all this America's news today crap that it starts off with. Hold on a second, let me. Here, use that as the as the lead in for the show. <laughs> no, let's not use that as the lead in for the show. I I hate it when people do this. Just give me the damn clip. I'm playing the actual YouTube clip. So listen to what Chicago, Chicago is known for dirty. So Chicago is known for dirty politics. Windy City native Rahm Emanuel, no exception to the Chicago way. He was known as the bag man in the Clinton White House. That sounds good. Now in the Obama administration, his strong arm tactics are helping making all Obama's dreams come true. It is scary, but true. Pat Goodell, he is a former Democratic pollster. Yeah, Pat, and Fox Goodell. News- Pat Goodell, is that his name? Pat, I think it's Pat Goodell. Would you uh, would you do a little uh, do a, a Google search while we play the clip? I'd like to know more yeah. about that guy. This contributor, how are you, sir? Good to meet you. It is good to meet you. Um, help me out here because yeah. I think there are a couple of disturbing connections, and I'm all about. Th- I think this whole administration is all about connections. It's- Absolutely. Okay, so it's really not about what you see. It's it's everybody connected to everybody else and the, the money. It's almost <laughs> community organizing. In a large way. In a large way, yeah. Okay. You know, you're right. That rug is really, really bad. That thing is outrageous. Help me out. Where do we start with, with um, Rahm Emanuel? Where's... Well, we started with his role, as you said, in the Clinton White House. Now, he okay. leaves the Clinton White House, and he gets two jobs. 
he gets put on the board of Freddie Mac, which is the second of the big giant mortgage companies. Okay, now this we actually knew, that Rahm Emanuel was on the board of Freddie Mac, but but check out how much money he made from being on the board and how he did what it. Is his, what is his qualification? Didn't he go to school for dancing? Excuse me, he studied ballet dancing his, uh, in college. He was trained for ballet. He is Freddie Mac doesn't do ballet. No, that's true. Yeah. Now he gets uh, the other job he has is that he gets a job with Wasserman Perella, which is a major Wall Street deal company, and he gets it in their Chicago office. Mm-hmm. He will then make sixteen million dollars in less than two years. In two years, yes, two, two years. years, sixteen million dollars is what That's he on makes. top of the quarter of a million the and taxpayers gave him for Freddie Mac. And two hundred fifty. When well, he was the there, books. when he was, they were there when they're cooking the books. Yeah, Let's remember, he was there. This is they're cooking the books there. Got it. Okay, sixteen million dollars. How do you make the sixteen million? Made the sixteen million dollars basically on one large deal, and there's a second one. But the big deal he got it on was he was advising SBC, which later grew into the new AT and T. Okay, SBC. Right. Now, that's not really. Here's what's interesting about the SBC thing is the guy who helped make this deal. Yes. Took a loss. Did he not? Yes. The, 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 they had to sell because they bought another phone company, Ameritech. They had to get rid of a security company called Security Link. It was a billion, billion and a half dollar investment. He sold it to a group headed by uh, a investment group being led by. Uh, Whiteacre? No, by Mr. Whiteacre was the chairman. He sold it to a group led by Mr. Emanuel for about $500 million. Okay. Six months later, six months later, the investment bank that bought it sold it for a billion dollars. All right. Now, John, were you following that at the time? Were you following yeah, a little it? bit. It, but it seemed just like, like kind of just a circle of corruption. But the guy is, here's his background, more or less. Pat Cadell. Uh, he was a longtime Democrat. We worked for McGovern in 72, Carter, Gary Hart, Joe Biden, and Jerry Brown. So he's like old, connect, well, and well-connected. But it, it, I think, and he also was a consultant for a bunch of movies, including uh, Air Force One, Running Mates, Outbreak, yeah. West Wing. Now, here's what happened, apparently, and this is, again, a, a sketchy source, but he, he defected. I noticed it's probably he defected. true. He went over to Fox News. He did. Well, here's why. In 1988, Cadell left the Democratic Party after an acrimonious lawsuit with a Democratic consulting firm. Ah. And so he said, screw you, and went over to the other side, and he's been pounding them ever since. He's like a, you know, a nightmarish guy. He's one of those, it doesn't seem like he's a flip-flopper like Dick Morris, who he's, just he's basically like, go for anybody. He's like the girlfriend you, you broke up with who, uh, who just won't keep hounding you. So Don't he's like a, got a he's got what they would say in the business a hard on for the Democrat right. Party. So okay, so now if I understand, so that was just a a, a deal. This I, I didn't quite get the deal, but apparently the company was sold for half a billion, and then uh, the guys who bought a it lot of money flew around, flipped yeah. it flipped it for for uh, for a billion six months later. I, I don't understand how that happened. They doubled their, somebody doubled their money in some right. some so shady. So Google thing. this Whiteacre guy while we listen to the rest of this clip. Mm, that's good. That's a good investment. That's hey, not bad. That's right? good. Now, and he took out a huge amount of money. Now, the president at that time, Whiteacre, was the chairman of SBC. America, does the name Whiteacre, the guy who helped Rahm Emanuel make sixteen million dollars, does the name Whiteacre ring a bell? Because 
when they appointed the new chairman of GM who announced the day of his appointment, I know nothing about the car business, his name was Edmund Whitaker. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! So that, that I, I was like, wow, that's a connection that no one reported on. I do remember yeah. reading the quote of this Whitaker saying, you know, I don't know anything about the car business, but, you know, I just run it like a business. But so the insinuation here or the assertion is that because Whitaker helped Rahm Emanuel make $16 million in some bogus transaction, or not bogus perhaps, but in a transaction, Rahm Emanuel then turns around and says, you know what, we're going to hook you up, we're going to make you the CEO of General Motors. Which I guess yeah, yeah this seems to be the mo of this uh, of this entire administration is like, you know, I think in the olden days they'd call it cronyism. <laughs> yeah. So did you look up Whiteacre? Did you find out? Yeah, anything? he said, you know, I'm looking at his picture. He built a telecommunications empire, acquiring this and that, and da, da, da. he's an SBC guy, you know, including a 16 billion dollar acquisition of AT and T. And of course, then he took their name. So AT&T can live on as a CIA front over in San Francisco in that weird building. <laughs> you know, that way they don't have to change the logos. <laughs> and, and the $62 billion purchase of Ameritech. You know, well, this guy knows how to do deals. I mean, as far as he's concerned, the $16 million that went to Rahm Emanuel is chicken feed. Yeah, really? Nickname, Big Ed. Big, Six Big foot Ed. four. He's the same height as you. Upon AT&T's corporate... Oh, wait. His retirement payout from AT&T totaled $158.5 one of the top pension packages in the country. It's a hell of a pet pension. Wow. And he gets 10 hours a Born month on the in jet. Born Texas. Yeah. Amazing. His father was a locomotive engineer. Went to Texas Tech. So if we uh, try to Oh, he's connect. one of those guys that probably is helping finance. You know, I think T. Boone Pickens is from Texas Tech. I'm sure these two guys hang out together. Because uh, Texas Tech, is uh, Pickens has taken uh, the idea of, of becoming the kind of the, the owner of Texas Tech. So he's like throwing tons of money into the basketball and football programs and the rest of it to make the school, you know, beat Texas. <sighs> These guys, they got nothing else to do. Yep, that's what's running our country. At least he drove his own car. There was a, a fantastic... Here's what kind of car he drives, a Cadillac. Yeah, of course. There was a, uh, a fantastic song that, uh, that showed up the other day. I just I got to play this for you. This is... Uh, I, I don't even know where this came from. Wait, I should play the jingle with it. Hold on a second. Uh, because it will not put seniors in a position of being put to death by their government. Here's President Obama, everybody. Old people got no reason. Old people got no reason. Old people got no reason. <laughs> Listen to it, though. The lyrics are great. <laughs> yeah, this guy's very famous. They need lots of drugs. After falling down just a couple of steps, they need pacemakers. The cost is out of sight. I give them a pain pill and just say goodbye. We got no hips for old people. Nah, I like that. Yeah, this guy's, I can't remember his name, but he does a lot of these parody songs, and he does a really good Obama uh, kind of cadence, which makes it, which is hilarious. And Rush Limbaugh plays this character constantly. 
Yeah, it's good. That's I the like first it. time I heard that song was on Rush Limbaugh's show. Yeah, there's a there's a porn movie that I uh, I've heard about. I'm reliably informed. It's uh, Obama does Palin. Have you seen that one? <laughs> it's, and cool. and they really don't look like Obama and Palin, but kinda. <laughs> It's really disturbing. It's really, really disturbing. You have to see this. Well, no, you don't have to, but it's... I don't need to see it, that's for sure. It's disturbing. So, uh... I noticed that the Republicans are still sticking to this Palin. You know, you know, and of course, she does come up with, I don't know if she's got some writers, but she came up with the thing of the death panel. Yeah, by the way, it, how amazing is it that, you know, some woman in Alaska... I mean, it's it's got to be a total setup. But just by with a Facebook, I mean, this is pretty interesting. With, with just by by putting something on your wall in Facebook, that you can spark off such a, such a huge debate, not just in the country but worldwide. I mean, that's saying something for the way the mainstream media runs and how it works. It's ridiculous, and I'm sure that Republicans are now regretting, you know, the day they even found her, because she's like a nightmare. She she just keeps coming back. She can't even keep a, you know, she gives up on her governor's job after two years, which is, I think, enough to say, nah, she's done. But no, you had somebody the other day, I was listening to one of these uh, shows, and Ann Coulter was on there promoting her latest book, the woman cranks out more books than anyone, than Isaac Asimov, and... Uh, and she's going on about, oh, Sarah, and she's like a big fan of hers, which you know makes me think, well, you know, if you're going to be a fan of Sarah Palin's, why? You get, I mean, Palin, is, to me, is just kind of a, I don't think she's that bright. And why is they warming up to her to such an extreme? Well, she's, she's a, she, just like a, President Obama. She's a newsreader. You know, that's how she, her career started, uh, reading sports and news. And she probably did some entertainment news. And so they, they give her a script. She puts it on her Facebook. And it's all set up. It's, it, I think it's brilliantly done. You know, it's like, hey, let's get this, let's launch this death panels thing. We've got to have some idiot say it. So they get, you know, Sarah Palin to do it. Then Fox News or whoever. You know, publishes the uh, whatever she's written. I mean, this is there. The, you can almost see so. You can almost see Rupert Murdoch turning the dials. <laughs> Here's how I'll do it. Here's how I'll make it all happen. I mean, come Death on, panel. Death Panel. You know, it's got to be that way. In the Netherlands, where they had uh, socialized me- medicine for as long as I can remember, I think it was one year ago or two years ago. They changed it from the single payer option uh, to uh, to uh, private insurance, and of course, it's mandatory private insurance, insurance, which makes it even more interesting. And guess what was announced just uh, at the beginning of this week, John? Ooh, everyone's I'll premiums, bite. everyone's premiums going up by a hundred euros. Now there you have it. Yeah, it's the insurance companies. It is all about the insurance companies. Yeah, and there's some scam going on with this thing we're trying to do too. Is just I, I would like to find the quid pro quo for the insurance companies, like I found with the doctors and the the extra fees they can charge now for everything. You know, you get a, you call in for an appointment, you have to probably pay five bucks to do that. Well, now, of course, you don't the, pay it; it comes the government pays it. What do you mean the quid pro quo? The, the, the insurance companies bought all the politicians. They bought yeah, all I know, the media. But what is the what is the what are they benefiting from? I mean, how are they no, going to be the no, beneficiaries? No, no. What do you mean? How are they going to benefit from it? Well, that's what I want to know. I mean, how, they, how can they make more money than they're making now? Just by raising the fees. Well, I know, but if it's going to be the government coming in to compete with them, there's got to be some other scam going on. It's got, it can't be that. You know, they're just not going to come in with costing even more than it costs now. They've got to, you know, they'll run these guys out of office faster than you can imagine if that happens. Well, we'll see. 
We'll see. Top commander in uh, Afghanistan, General Stanley McChrystal, says, uh, hey, the Taliban is winning. <laughs> in an interview with the Wall Street Journal, the commander offered a preview of the strategic assessment he's uh, delivering to Washington later this month, saying the troop shifts are designed to better protect Afghani civilians from rising levels of Taliban violence and intimidation. He's saying, send more troops. We need more troops. More yeah, troops. This is, our ne- this is the next Vietnam, right in the cycle, by the way. Little, little overdue. But it falls right into it. Vietnam, this is Vietnam all over again. And we have the same situation. We have a Democrat, you know, in office who wants to try, you know, promises he's going to get out. But the only way to get out is to add more troops so we can get out somehow. Well, there is a difference. And then the whole thing is just going to be the same thing. We're going to run out of there like crazy and about after, you know, some Republican gets elected and bombs Cambodia. Well, there is a difference is that our guy is uh, is president of the country. You know, this, uh, this Karzai dude. This is this is the evil part of it. Who's living in the palace? By the way, this guy grew up in America, as far as I know. He went to American schools. He was George Bush's buddy. You know, he went through the entire American system. And uh, oops, all of a sudden, he's elected president of uh, of Afghanistan. And now he's you know, um, I guess today the ele- yeah the elections are today, August twentieth. Uh, if they happen, because there were some, you know, now we've got Richard Holbrook out there saying, "Oh, we ha- the elections can't be stalled." The guy is not campaigning anywhere. He, he shows up for like three minutes at a time because of security concerns. He's got nine people who are running against him who have been completely suppressed by whatever media they have left. You know, the, we've we just we might as well just call this the fifty-first state. <laughs> It's it's nuts, and this Holbrook guy. You know, I don't know if you still follow the uh, the International Criminal Court. Who's the um, the guy from uh, uh, the guy who they found in uh, in Boston? Serbian guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who uh, who who says that? The guy hey, was a farmer with a beard. Yeah, exactly. You know, he he says, look, I got, I have it in writing. Holbrook said, don't worry, we'll take care of you. You know, you can uh, you can do all this stuff, and uh, and we'll protect you. And he keeps suing over and over again in this court while he's in jail, of course. And he says, hey, Richard Holbrook gave me the gave me the go ahead, which I totally believe. Yeah, there's something sketchy. Even with that first Kuwait-Iraqi uh, war, there's a lot of lost information about it, how they were kind of indicate, you know, kind of letting Saddam go attack Kuwait, and you know, kind of indicating he should do that. And as soon as he did, we just bombed the crap out of him. I mean, there's a lot of this sketchy. You know, this back. This is the problem with this modern, you know, diplomatic uh, negotiating. You don't know what kind of screw jobs these, some of these guys are going to get. Some guy does a deal, things don't quite work out. You you know blameless. What's it when you do something you have you can't be held accountable because you're you know you divorced yourself from the actual uh, uh, event in some way or sh- that you you can't be blamed ever. So I know that you you sent me this uh, this rather lengthy article, John, about uh, pretty much I guess it's your way of telling me, hey man, here's why you should lay off the A and Rand stuff because people will think you're a total <laughs> nutball. And you know, I don't. I don't give a crap about her uh, objectivism. I don't. I'm, I'm not. I'm not a member of the. Here we go again. Another plug for you know. We got here. Wait. Stop. You have not read. We have to get an. I got an Amazon account. I'm going to put it on the blog and put it on the thing. And I want to. We should be making money from all the promotion <laughs> you're doing of that of this book. <laughs> Let me tell you, this book. Ah. 
Written in 1950s, no, in the beginning of 1957. I thought it was earlier than that. 1957. I have not read anything else by Ayn Rand. I don't care. This book describes exactly what is happening right now, and it actually has an unobtainable solution, uh, which essentially means blowing up the entire country, uh, in a manner of speaking. <laughs> oh, that's practical. In a manner of speaking. Well, it's happening anyway. We're going into total demise. And it's a moral bankruptcy of every single institution and everything that 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 this that once made this country great. And uh, it's a book you should read. It is it is it will make you feel good that if there really was a John Galt, that there would be some kind of some kind of solution. That it does have a solution, but it has nothing to do with objectivism. And I do not. I, uh, and I do not reread this thing like some drone, and I do not attend meetings. <laughs> I never said you did. You've never even read the book. I mean, you. you how can you? Even... I've read. I read the precursors. The same story. All right. What's the Fountain story? Fountainhead's the same book as Atlas Shrugged. She just was only for. She was basically like warming up with Fountainhead, and then she like hit the home run with Atlas Shrugged. It's the same book. Same story. I'm sure I could, couldn't get through 20 pages of it without just falling. I'd probably fall dead asleep. I'd pass out like you did with the burger. <laughs> why don't you go read it, man? Why, why don't you just go read no, it and I get back to I got nothing better to do but read 1,200-page books oh, about well, you know, you know, Okay, you, I will. I'll no, read all you do is you write 1,200-page books, which, so which, which you read. never publish. Where's your cycle book? It's coming. I got some new material. Read the book. Just read, right. just do me a favor. Just read the book. It'll only take you two months. <laughs> or I could listen to the book on tape. It'll only take me, what? 56 uh, what hours. 56 hours. Uh, 56 it's on, hours. <laughs> it's the unabridged God. version. Hey, here's like, a little... I'm sorry. It's like going back and forth to the city for a year. <laughs> here's a little ditty I, uh, I thought was... And now this does crop up from time to time, but maybe this time it's really going to happen. Uh... A collective, a group including NBC Universal, Time Warner, News Corp, Viacom, CBS, Discovery, and Walt Disney are joining together to finally create an alternative to the Nielsen television ratings. Others involved in the new, pre- in the new project, which this, they say is going to launch in September, will include uh, Procter & Gamble, Unilever, AT&T, uh, WPP, Starcom. So they've Media lost com- what you're saying with this article. They've lost confidence in Nielsen. No, they really want to rig it now. That's that's. Oh, uh, that must that, be it. I mean, but of course, the Nielsen ratings have been questionable ever since they uh, ever since they came out. You know, because I think it's still you know it's done on such a, a small sample. Although statisticians will argue with me that, that that it's usually pretty accurate. I would agree with them. But from time to time, this crops up, and uh, every couple of years, they, they, you know, there's a group that gets together and says, "We're going to put Nielsen out of business." We're going to—it's like Comscore. That's another thing that frightens me. You have to, pay, and it costs a lot of money to get these. Uh, no, I think we pay a hundred thousand dollars a year just to just for the privilege of Comscore tracking us. Hmm. You had a couple of the clips, uh, I think, that were left over. Do you have any left from... Uh, did we do them all? Oh, no, I got the one that the I was going to start guy. the show with. Yeah, I, I, I'll give a setup, setup on this. I was going to start the show with it because I thought it would be amusing. The MSNBC is starting to do some of these documentaries. 
<laughs> and so they did one on this, uh, the real story behind the Texas Chainsaw Massacre guy. And they <laughs> Wait, dramatized. He, he, he really existed? Yeah. They dramatized it to such an extreme that they brought in this voice. And I, I want people just to listen to this guy and just let the thing play through. And you'll at the end, you can make your comment. But. It's like this voice is brought in for this. It's like it's not like the frontline guy that's actually believable. This guy is so over the top corny that it's like why is he? I don't know. I mean, but I found the whole thing quite amusing. But it was like overdone. It's like a comparing a Hollywood actor to a stage actor. Uh, Play have guessed the real truth. Far from being a war hero, Robert Cleason was actually a former mental patient on the run from the police. Yes. A compulsive hoarder of firearms, he'd been sectioned for shooting up a hospital and jumped bail in Buffalo, New York, after shooting a man in the foot. His conflict resolution method is to be violent or to threaten violence. He's in love with guns. He's just infatuated with guns. Unbeknownst to the Mormon community, Cleason's past was littered with firearms offenses and odd behavior. Three wives had left him, the last when she found him taking a bath with a disemboweled deer. <laughs> you know, that's an American doing that voice. And then the, then the shing at the end of the, of the sword. Shing! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, it's time for another installment of Shadow Puppet Theater. President Obama's nominee for Surgeon General is Dr. Regina Benjamin, hailed by Mr. Obama for her efforts in running a health clinic in hurricane-ravaged rural Alabama. Guess whose advisory board she's on, John? Remember, this is the Surgeon General. All about Monsanto? Uh, whoa, I should hit the jingle for Monsanto. that. I'm sorry, John, you are incorrect. No, 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 no. Remember, what is the Surgeon General responsible for? The Surgeon General is supposed to uh, remind us to eat healthy, exercise, live healthy lives. Is that correct? Yeah. She's on the board of Burger King. Ah! <laughs> That's and, hilarious. And she got paid $10,000 uh, a year for serving on the Scientific Advisory Board. <laughs> You're, you're telling me that the Surgeon General is on the board of Burger King? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to love it. I actually, I think Burger King is probably healthier than McDonald's, though. Not much. I mean, they do, the grease is handled differently. I mean, McDonald's takes their patties and throws them on a griddle that, so they kind of cook in their own fat. And Burger King uh, throws the patties on this conveyor belt that's got a bunch of holes in it, and it, and it goes across a, a supposedly flames or some sort flame of flame broiled. Sort of, it's flame broiled, and it's uh, the flame. It goes across the flames, and so the the grease falls off the burger into the flames, and it would probably bubble up back into the meat in some some other form, and. Um, I don't know. The, 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 you know. Burger King over the years has really deteriorated. Here's one to track. Vicky Rivas Vasquez, a spokeswoman for the Department of Health and Human Services, said Dr. Benjamin would resign her position from Burger King upon confirmation by the Senate. And she will also recuse herself from any specific party matters involving Burger King for the next two years as part of the Obama administration's ethics pledge. Ooh, the ethics, ethics. <laughs> so what's her name again? Uh, her name is Dr. Regina Benjamin. Regina Benjamin. 
It looks like she's had a, a burger or two, actually. That's what I'm trying to see. She's a, <laughs> she's, oh, yeah. She's, yeah, she's really been eating svelte. there. It's pretty apparent. <laughs> As yep. the nation's leading spokesperson... <laughs> And that's the opener right there. As the nation's leading spokesperson on public health, she will continue to promote healthy eating and exercise. <laughs> Maybe she should start with herself. As third-party counselor bringing her expertise on public health on an advisory panel, she was advocating for food options that were lower in sodium and recommending that nutritional information appear on food packaging. Dude, we're too busy reading the, the cartoons on the food packaging. That's, what, that's the whole beauty of Burger King. You know, we try to make. Uh, <laughs> we try. Uh, there's a picture here in this list. I took a look at the photo. <laughs> photos. Uh, I'll send you this. She's hot. Uh, um, it's uh, it. It's if you look her up, this this photo uh, shows up. Anyway, um, I think people should start really start to concentrate on reading these labels. No, <laughs> that's the picture that showed up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this guy needs a bra. <laughs> so, uh, you know, people have to really start looking at these labels and, and take, make, you know, and ask yourself when it goes, when you get to, my wife was moaning about this the other day. She went to some, she saw something that says, back to the original, original, the, the original taste, you know, from the 1920s or something like that. And she reads the label and it says high fructose corn syrup. So how's this original? How's this back to the basic? How is this anything? It's high fructose corn syrup is a new additive. But they wait. weren't putting that in anybody's food in the 30s. But wait, there's more. She also reported receiving more than $20,000 for serving on another advisory board at Nebraska-based ConAgra Foods, one of the country's largest food producers with products such as David's Sunflower Seeds, Crunch and Munch, Healthy <laughs> Choice, and Chef Boyardee. All right. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Coop? Uh, he's still around. He's doing uh, commercials for uh, he's doing you know, in- the, infomercials. The clapper, for, I think. <laughs> no, for uh, help, I fall and I can't get up. What's that one called? Yeah. Life call. Yeah, the clapper. <laughs> oh no, that's right. There's a little thing you push a button and it sends for help. It's not the clapper. Sorry. Yeah, help, I fall and I can't get up. So uh, I want to mention uh, we got a, a a respite here. Uh, we're gonna we could have gotten a little more money. From the you know Sunday shows don't seem to really generate. I don't know what it is. Almost all of our income for the show comes on. And by the way, if we're going to do three shows, we're actually about we make we bring in about half as much money as we actually need to do this show. You know, and and, one, and rationalize show, the, to just to do one show. Yeah, to do one show to rationalize doing the show at all. Uh, although we really enjoy it and we think we're doing a public service, but I think the public has to also you know, help us out a little bit because we know how many people are listening to the show and there's a lot. And there's only a few that have you know, actually followed up with helping us. And uh, we're going to keep doing that. We're going to you know, have to you know, do something eventually because, uh, I mean, this, you know, this weekly begging for money. It's getting pretty old. Well, it gets old, but you know, the last time I, last Thursday when I did it, when I was really getting angry about it and saying, you know, you know, look, look at, you spend all twenty five, fifty bucks to go to a movie, which is two hours of entertainment. Usually, doesn't you don't get as much out of it as you do from our show. And you know how it's going to end. And you know how it's going to end. And you're not, you know, me, me. 
while you're getting this show, like you know, it's like a movie, at least a long movie every week for free, and uh, you use it when you go to work. Most of our listeners are commuters, and they listen to the shows. There are some others, but they tend to listen to the show going to and from work, and it keeps them sane. Yeah, think about what you pay a doctor to maintain sanity, or a psychiatrist, which <laughs> yeah, is 150 bucks plus. We should be on that Obamacare, man. We should be getting something. We should be getting the yeah. payoff. Exactly. So I would encourage you to go to noagendashow.com or dvorak.org slash NA and sign up for one of the programs, whether it's a subscription. I'm gonna, we're going to add a $5 a month subscription uh, option because a number of people have asked for that specifically. They said, you know, well, you don't like the $2 because it's you know, PayPal takes all the money. With 5 it would be uh, probably acceptable. So we're going to add that. And then we also have to add, we're also looking for people that can do grants, and we're also going to Get step back up and start doing our plans for the dinner. Yes, the because a lot of people dinner. in a lot of different cities are saying they will definitely. Now, the, the, but the dinner is not going to be a huge money maker for us. It's more kind no, of no, it's way not that, because half of the money is going to go to the dinner. Dinner, yeah, and the wine for sure. We're not going to we're not going to do a cheap crummy dinner with you know lousy food. And obviously, if you're a foodie, you'd want to come to this thing because we're going to do probably. I'm thinking, I'm not sure what place we're going to go to, but it would be a place like Florida Lee in in Las Vegas where. I know the chef, and he could actually make a special meal for us. And I'll bring one of some spectacular double magnum or something from uh, my collection. Ooh, nice. We should invite uh, Kim Jong-il. That reminds me. (laughs) Uh, Big talk. So, uh, yeah. So we we're going we're gonna to make have a link for you to sign up uh, on, for the waiting list, or just to, to, for information. You don't have you're not going to be signing okay, up for John, the dinner. Here's an idea. Here's an idea. Why don't we set it for Thanksgiving 2009? Because I think my family would object. No, it's October 3rd is Thanksgiving. The official. Oh, the, the ofi- real Thanksgiving. The real Thanksgiving October is October 3rd. Well, that's an idea. In Las Vegas, and we'll give thanks uh, to Abraham Lincoln. And you could read the tome. I could read the proclamation, and we can get a magician <laughs> and a couple of and a couple of porn stars who are apparently three hundred bucks for seven hours. Yeah, that's reasonable. We just have them standing there. Yeah, just hanging out. Yeah, I think we got a plan in HEMA no, underwear. How about porn stars in HEMA underwear? So go to the uh, noagendashow.com or noagenda.squarespace.com or, or dvorak.org slash NA, and uh, you'll, get, you'll see all the new stuff on there. The site will be improved. And then to wind it up, something that, uh, of course, this is, uh, this is news that we've been talking about for several months now, I think. And, now, and I'm not quite sure who this guy is other than an Air Force veteran who handled nuclear nuclear warheads in Europe. He is uh, the chairman of Steuben Foods and Elmhurst Dairy. His name is Henry Schwartz. And according to the New York Times, he is sounding the alarm. He says, an electromagnetic pulse weapon... <laughs> This guy, this guy is like 90. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's 75. He's not that old. So this whole... (gasps) 75 is not that old. I mean, you know, John. Same age as me. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, So he's saying, hey, I'm really worried about this, uh, primarily about uh, our grid that won't be able to handle it. It's interesting. Uh, We talked to Larry, the guy that uh, is renting the hangar to me at... uh, 
at Oakland, and he's an engineer for Lockheed. And, Lockheed uh, Martin works and, for the Skunk Works, and uh, and John's real, and th- he's also up there. He's probably in his seventies, uh, maybe late sixties. And John's real coy. He's like, "Hey, uh, so that uh, that Aegis thing, you think that really works?" And Larry's <laughs> like, "Well, I've seen some pictures," and then uh, and then and I lay it on, "Hey, EMPs," and he looks at me and says, "Oh, you've heard of those? Oh, yeah, that's for real. EMPs are for real. That could that could really happen." But then when you drill down into it. And uh, this guy's an engineer, and he sounded pretty credible. He says, but, you know, no one has that technology. What, what did he compare it to, like Wizard of Oz shit or, like, uh, Star Wars? Yeah, he War? says you can do the thing with the A-bomb, but, you know, you have to get pretty close with it. And all, most of what we're hearing is exaggerated. Yeah. So I, I wonder what's behind it, then, if it's all exaggerated. Because a lot of people are jumping on board with this. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. That's the thing That's the thing that we're trying to get our listeners to think in those terms. It's like you start hearing about something, even us, because we get suckered into this stuff, too, by the way. Of course. Not commonly, but, you know, it happens. But we usually correct, you know, our flaws eventually. But the thing is, is you always have to ask yourself, what, who might be behind this and why? Why well, are they telling me this? Because... There's no reason for anyone to tell me this stuff unless there's some there's some motive somewhere from somebody trying to make money usually, or something's going on. That's well, they fishy. got a whole they got a whole website, John. I'm just saying the link. It's uh, EMP Act America. Let's see about us. There's a whole site about this thing. Oh my god! This looks too slick to be. Uh Protecting America against a permanent continental shutdown from electromagnetic pulse. This is a slick site. Yeah, this is this is this has got to be uh, industrial. This is a government site of some mi- military sort. industrial complex. There's no There's doubt something about fishy it. about this. It's Hold too. On, you know, these guys. You remember when we, we first started? We still do this, by the way. When we first started looking at the phony baloney sites coming out of the uh, oh, you know, Georgia the versus yeah. And you see these sites, and it's just like, you know, you know what a website, when somebody puts up an honest website, uh, the sincere website, there's a certain kind of gestalt, for want of a better term, that indicates to you that there's probably some honesty behind it. When you start seeing these things that are way too slick, unless it's like, you know, a professional, you know, like a newspaper, yeah, it should be, because it's a newspaper or a publication, but when you see something that is a special interest group and it's really slick, it's very suspicious, because special interest groups don't have the kind of money, they haven't got $18 million to build a good website. So the website, uh, the domain name, EMPActAmerica.org uh, and .net is owned by Steuben Foods and Elmhurst Dairy and affiliates. Uh, technical contact, COSMCC Solutions. What the hell is that? Let's just... Uh, they must have built the website. Yeah, they built the website. So, so he paid them to build this website. Interesting to look at. Avi Schnur. Avi Schnur is the president. Hmm. We're going to follow this a little more closely because there's something screwy about this thing. And I noticed at the bottom they got so many tracking uh, bugs in there. It's amazing. Um, so I, I can't yeah, figure it. I think um, it, it's a custom site. There is, there is one. There is one thing that I do do believe is quite real because uh, history has shown it that. Uh, 
solar flares, and I think John, if you look into your cycles, we're due from from uh, from for some solar activity in the coming years. That can actually fry out the grid. That can, you know these solar flares. We've had solar winds in the 1800s. Yeah, no, 1900s. and they they can take out satellites too. Occasionally, they'll they'll bop a satellite off the off the air. I remember that in the in the mid 90s. I remember uh, all cell phones pages were down for like three four days. Direct TV was off the air. I mean, it, it was a pretty massive uh, solar activity. And they, they, yeah. do talk, they do talk about it here on this website as well. Yeah, well, we'll look into this. Yeah, but this, uh, why well, in the hell Well, help us out, dvorak.org slash NA, we can use your, seriously. My God, it's gotten so dark here, I can barely see the buttons anymore on my, uh, my cart <laughs> machine. <laughs> the sun has gone down over the yard arm, everybody. And remember, Adam and John say... Jobs, jobs, and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. Yeah! Uh, Sunday, I'll be back in the 17th century Canal House Command Center. And uh, so we'll be able to stream live again. And now I'm going to spend the next 14 hours uploading the show. <laughs> Through 3G. With a squirrel in a cage. Through 3G. Uh, noagendashow.com, uh, noagenda.squarespace.com. Coming to you from uh, Gitmo Nation, uh, southeast, south of Ibiza, not in the party capital, in one of those little Bel Air islands with very little electricity. I'm Adam Curry. And uh, recommending you bring back some good olive oil. I'm still here in northern Silicon Valley. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Sunday right here on No Agenda. <laughs>